0: Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Alright, welcome back. Another great Sunday here in sunny San Jose, California. And uh, I love this season. The fall is my favorite season because you get beautiful skies, real chill weather, very like ponderous weather. Kind of whether you go for a walk and you just think about life and uh, think how you could improve yourself. Which is something I'm constantly trying to do. It's like, all right, Jorge, you need to chillax. You need to calm down. Not worry as much. Be uh, less of an intense person to others. And uh, it's I'm, I'm a work in progress, all right? At least now at this age, I, I, I'm more aware of it. As before, it's like, uh, forget everything else. And I do things my way. And fuck anybody else who gets in my way. But now I'm like, all right. Every fall, it's a, it's like a, a season of self-reflection. But today, in this episode, we have another uh, great guest. Today's main guest is Joseph Robinson. And I know Joseph Robinson. I've seen him around the Frascati Open Mic uh, since I started going to the Frascati Open Mic. I want to say since um, late 2014. So that's about um, almost four years now. About three and, so, and some years and change. And he's a, he's a great guy. There's a lot to learn from him. Uh, I really like talking to him. And uh, he's one of those characters I see off and off in the uh, San Jose scene. He even performs an original song called Idol Hand. And it's a great song. It's nice, it's short, and it has a great beat to it. And so I recommend you guys stay tuned for that performance it is coming but before we go there we have another segment of going viral with chase doherty we talk about the zeshwan sauce fiasco that happened earlier this month and kind of give our take on it so but before we get there please subscribe to the jms podcast if you haven't already on itunes google play soundcloud and stitcher radio you can also follow the jms podcast on social media facebook instagram and twitter and please follow the jms podcast website at jmspodcast.com on the website, you can check out photos of guests, other content such as uh, food interviews with local restaurants, and also some video, video of musicians playing some awesome songs. And you can also donate to the JMS Podcast on Patreon. It is available on the website, uh, jmspodcast.com, or you go—you can go straight to the Patreon account, go uh, just search for JMS Podcast, and we have plenty of plans for anybody's budget. Please help me keep this thing going. Uh, Any amount is much appreciated. All right, let's head on over to Going Viral with Chase Doherty. Welcome back to another segment of Going Viral with Chase Doherty. How's it going, Chase?
1: I'm doing great, Jorge. You
0: look great, man. Last time you were here, you mentioned that you just started a vegan diet. Yes, yes. Uh, Which I got to confess, I I was a little, uh, how can I say, uh, (laughs) uh, I I really really think, uh, I, I put my money like at three weeks. Three. <laughs> yeah no offense no 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 but, but
1: you actually done more and you look great man thank you no i appreciate it hopefully it's just not the black shirt that's uh that's kind of revealing more than uh what's actually uh kind of become but uh yeah no i yeah so i recently started going vegan gosh man um beginning of september so it's been about a little bit over 45 days yeah. what are we on like october 19th yeah so we're approaching about 50 days <laughs> 50 days vegan man I feel great, man. I- I'll tell you. Um, I've never had more energy, um, better sleep, and actually, oh my my d- gotten bigger. Actually. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good to That's know. So crazy. Good to know. I'm sure. That's so I, crazy. For all
0: the single ladies listening to this, uh, you got you got that going <laughs> for you if you want to
1: strike up a, a relationship with Chase here. But today, yeah. uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh man, so um, what we're talking about today. Um. Actually, is um the infamous um Rick and Morty uh Sichuan McNugget mm-hmm. sauce fiasco that happened in actually the earlier part of October? Uh, actually, yeah, so, yeah. I, I
0: remember this was like uh, all over the internet and. and uh, <laughs> Yes. Hey, well, first, explain to me what is this Rick and Morty show? I'm not familiar with it. I know I'm, I'm a pretty bad millennial. I know <laughs> a, it's, okay, not, it's okay. I'm not in tune to what, <laughs> what people or people our age are into right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, no, but uh, uh, Rick and Morty is actually it's a, a television uh, cartoon show that's actually on Adult Swim, uh, and basically the the premise of the show is it, it takes place with uh, two main characters, uh, Rick, who is a uh, um, scientist basically and uh, his grandson uh, morty who is just uh you know kind of a preteen kind of going through high school phase um you know and, and basically what it's about it kinda takes place in the show is uh You know Rick, the grandfather, and Morty, the grandson, and then uh, you know the entire family as well to kind of play a a pivotal role in you know each of the episodes and and whatnot. But basically, what the premise of the show is is that Rick and Morty are kind of this uh, dynamic duo, I guess you could say, um, where they uh, travel around the universe and alternative timelines, and uh, basically you know through portals and through time and different universes and galaxies and things like that and they kind of you know they they go on missions and adventures and they kind of just like you know fight crime and stuff like that and it kind of uh,
0: has that back to the future vibe you know because you got the mad scientist yeah. right and who, who kind of drags his, his grandson around in these adventures mm-hmm. now you're a fan of the show right oh i'm
1: a huge fan of the show man i it's it's one of i think it's like one of the best uh well-written shows and it's just like it's really out there it's really it's kind of absurd it's really absurd comedy uh but but i love it i i find myself laughing and dying you know at least two or three parts out of like each of the episodes but it's just constant laughter um the uh the writing and the story dynamic is uh it's really great actually the chemistry between the two characters um i enjoy man it's uh for anybody who hasn't seen it uh you could find it it's on adult swim um but uh, I think season three actually just ended,
0: so. and the show was created by Dan Harmon. Yes, and uh, I believe the first season was released in tw- uh, two thousand thirteen. Yes, so over three seasons, there's really diehard uh, fans behind it. You know, oh yeah, people people are serious about this. Yes, yes, and I think uh, what ra- what happened
1: recently this month proves it. Yes, absolutely. No, so, oh man. So explain to us what what happened. So so basically, um, what happened is, um, I mean. Essentially what happened was McDonald's promoted um, the comeback of the infamous Szechuan McNugget dipping sauce that they had. And originally um, the Szechuan McNugget dipping sauce was actually released back in 1998 actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when uh, my mom got her uh Mustang convertible and gave it to me. So and then also when the Mulan movie was uh <laughs> I know that's like such a stupid plug, but that's that's where it was like relative for me. But actually McDonald's was promoting uh the Mulan movie and they had like a, a Chinese uh inspired flavored dipping sauce uh for their McNuggets instead of just the basic barbecue sweet and sour ranch. Uh so they were promoting it for the movie. And how this kind of ties into Rick and Morty is actually on season three for the very first episode, um, Rick actually kind of goes on a tangent, uh, kind of like on a monologue and everything where he's talking to uh, Morty, his grandson, and they're kind of both in the garage after they just kind of finished up an adventure. And he's just kind of going he's just kind of going on and on about, you know, life and, you know, how there's infinite galaxies and infinite universes. And, uh, you know, the whole purpose of life is kind of meaningless. And then it's like it's all about the Szechuan McNugget dipping sauce. And that's just like the whole plug where it just became like this big thing. And, you know, when McDonald's saw that episode, they were just like, shit we can make some money off of this thing like yeah.
0: well before that i think uh, what's interesting here cuz i don't believe that was a running joke i think uh, uh, that joke as far as the sh- szechuan uh, sauce mm-hmm. was only for that particular episode yeah it was only yeah you're it, right it, so, was, mm-hmm. it was never mentioned again in the next coming episodes right exactly exactly and i guess uh, fans made a big deal that they actually made a petition for it to uh, the uh, i'm looking at the website right now at mm-hmm. change.org yeah uh yeah change.org and they got forty four thousand people to sign this petition for McDonald's to bring back the chicken nugget uh Szechuan sauce and I'm pretty sure uh, by the <laughs> forty four thousand people I'm sure that caught the attention of McDonald's yeah and then they then they I guess they saw an opportunity here
1: yeah so well so from I guess from the information that you gathered uh so McDonald's just decided one day like hey. You know, we're going to bring back this Szechuan sauce. Um, and essentially what they did actually was uh, they they just uh, brought it back. Um, they put actually like uh, the Rick and Morty characters actually on the front of the dipping sauce actually. Like now, on the front of the packet. Did did they collaborate with the uh, creators? See, that's the funny thing is that they actually did not collaborate with the creators. The creators of the show had no idea that this was going to happen. They Uh had no idea that this was actually going to be created. So... Ultimately, what happened was McDonald's just kind of threw some, like, legal loophole and, like, um, you know, research that they did on their end was like, hey, we could promote this and we don't even have to, like, tell them and collaborate with them to kind of share, like, any kind of profits that were going to happen or anything like that at all. And and McDonald's has actually kind of been, you know, in a shit year, actually. They've been actually kind of losing a lot of money with uh, the CEO transitioning and everything like that, so... This Is like a
0: desperate, you know, move to get some cash when you can?
1: I think, yeah. I mean, this is just kind of like a genius kind of marketing ploy. Like, yeah. hey, if, you know, if, uh, you know, Rick and Morty are going to pull, you know, McDonald's, you know, Szechuan dipping sauce plug, you know, let's, let's capitalize on that. You know, it's such a popular show. Why not? I think that was their, ra- that had to be the rationale behind it all. Um, I don't see why else they would would do it, and they even put like Rick and Morty, you know, kind of logos and like figures like on the actual sauce packets. Yeah. And there's <laughs> there's actually um, uh, it's gotten so far where uh, people have actually bought it, took a photo of it, and actually people are selling that photo of the packet on oh, you're eBay. Kidding me? I'm Come dead on. serious. Oh, I'm dead serious. You <laughs> could. They're at, selling
0: can... the photo of the Szechuan beef. Uh, so I keep saying Szechuan beef. Szechuan S- uh, Szechuan <laughs> sauce. The, they're selling the photo of the Szechuan sauce. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hold know. On, <laughs> hold on. Okay. F- first of all, before because I, I find that just absurd
1: <laughs> that people people would buy that shit. I know. That's crazy. Well, well, and we... even they're even selling the actual sauce for hundreds of dollars. Oh wow. Hundreds of dollars.
0: Now, do you think that's really it's really worth it? You as a fan.
1: Oh man. Well, I you know, I didn't even know about this entire thing as much as a Rick and Morty fan I am. I didn't even know about this entire thing uh until like the whole viral, you know, video kind of broke out, you know, about it. So I didn't even know McDonald's was doing it. I, I haven't I don't I haven't been to
0: McDonald's in such a long time, so But from what you gathered when McDonald's first released that they were going to do this, what was the initial reaction from the uh, Rick and Morty Oh fans? yeah, there were,
1: there was so much hype. There was I mean, they You know they were only gonna do it for I think it was just like one day and they didn't anticipate the demand that was gonna be so they had such very little supply that within a couple hours actually they had lines out the door Uh, they didn't have enough supply Uh, there were incidents between patrons among themselves Uh, there were actually incidents between patrons and McDonald's employees actually uh, and there are also like, you know, scenes where cops actually had to come, come to these McDonald's locations. Um, you know, there's even a viral video of one taking place in San Jose, actually. Really? Uh, yeah. What was happening in that video? <laughs> oh man, there, there were just like people that were all inside the McDonald's and uh, there's just this po- poor employee that's just like trying to tell them like, we ran out, we don't have any more And, you know. The customers, patrons, are are just screaming and yelling, you know, saying that this is bullshit. You know, like why don't you have like the Szechuan McNugget dipping sauce? Like I demand it now. There's even like a video of a guy that's like literally jumped on the counter at a McDonald's yeah. and demand, like stomped his feet on top of a counter where f- shit food is being served, demanding to get his like Szechuan dipping sauce. It went that far. Like there were fights, there were police called out, there were like employees, you know, like fighting amongst like customers. It, it was crazy, man. So what went wrong here? I mean, is I mean, for to cause this much reaction, it's gotta be much more than just running out of sauce. It's, I think that was just a sole part of it. It was a sole like that's the whole thing. Like when you promote something, I don't think McDonald's knew the situation. That they were going to get themselves into. Well, I'm not too sure who
0: looks more bad in the situation. McDonald's for you know not anticipating mm-hmm. uh, this much people interested, knowing that 44,000 people and plus are, do want the sauce. Because mm-hmm. uh, I heard that they only had like ten. 10- sauce packets available which is stupid. there are so
1: many there's so many different numbers and so many different figures yeah, or the
0: know, Ri- yeah. or the Rick and morty fans who, who who kind of I don't know became rowdy and and yeah. over exaggerated and and made a huge scene about it I know which is ridiculous because I believe uh the McDonald's is going to bring back Szechuan sauce.
1: Yeah. So actually McDonald's released a tweet actually, um, you know, a couple of days after the entire incidents uh, nationwide that happened at all their stores. Um, so actually this winter coming up, uh, they're going to make sure that they're going to have the supply uh, to fuel the demand. And they're not just going to do it for one day or a couple hours. Um, they say it's going to be, you know, something that's going to be around for a significant amount of time whether it's permanent or just for like a few months or so there's going to be a plentiful supply of it so They issued an apology. Um, Even the creators of the show were just like, yeah, we had nothing to do with this. Uh, They have no responsibility for it. They have no responsibility for it. McDonald's didn't reach out to us beforehand. I'm surprised they
0: didn't sue them, you know, considering that they are using copyrighted images and stuff like that.
1: Seriously, I'm shocked in that, too. Like, I I would totally sue McDonald's. Well, the thing is, uh, <laughs> the reason
0: why this went viral is the reactions of the fans. I mean, yeah, I, mean absolutely. I mean, there was hype mm. for the sauce, yeah. but I think it really made it to the news where people who, who are not familiar with the show, mm-hmm. that's how they saw the show. It's like, oh my god, this show causes this kind of reaction.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see that. So
0: do you feel like the fans kind of put the show in an unfair position to people who are not familiar with the show to give it a try and watch
1: it? Hmm. Wow that's a that's a great question uh I try my best to ask <laughs> I know I know you do no, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> um I think ultimately yeah it, 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 it ultimately when when you first watch the video um all these like viral videos and you know these tweets of like you know fans um you know that don't get something that they initially want and you know people go crazy and everything like that when you first see it you're like oh well that's that's pretty funny you know you know ha ha but then after you watch it for like a second time third time and then you start to look at the bigger picture you're just like oh these people are kind of like pieces of shit like you're (laughs) did you get in line for the sauce i i didn't know about it (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know about it. It was still after the. Fact. I was vegan. I went vegan then.
0: <laughs> I didn't know A vegan can still eat the sauce, can't they? I don't know.
1: I haven't. I don't know the ingredients of that.
0: I mean, you may not eat chicken nuggets with it, but at least no, you yeah, eat the oh sauce. fuck no, yeah. You don't. I don't know. You can probably dip kale in it or something, dude.
1: What I that whatever's in nuggets is not meat. I I could tell you that's uh, that's not chicken. But
0: what's even crazier is are these people who are trying to sell the
1: sauce. Uh,
0: through ebay <laughs> for hundreds of dollars and or, or good the, for them or good the for picture them. of it yeah when you can only, all you have to do is wait till december or something until they bring back the sauce
1: well maybe it might have a different design then and that's like a special limited thing so like good for those people fuck i would have never thought about selling that Cause you're a good person. That's why. <laughs> well, these people that are doing it are, are smart. Like th- that's like an entrepreneur uh, shit, right no, there. No,
0: come on, it's different.
1: Oh, uh, do, do you consider scalpers at, at concerts entrepreneurs then? Exactly, this is, a little, this is a little bit different. No, than No, it's, it's the same shit. You, you're just reselling not something a, you bought for a higher price. Yeah, but this is like this is like a cultural kind of commodity specialty. Novelty item, even if it's sauce and has an expiration date on it, there's still kind of some sort of social. That's another relevance. thing. It's
0: like let's say you do buy it and like the expiration date is like I don't know a week or something, yeah. right? So it's like, what's the point of having I it? I
1: know. I <laughs> know. Am I going I crazy? No, or no, no, no. You're not. You're not going crazy. I guess I'm just trying to play devil's advocate for. A part of me would be like, oh yeah, I'll fucking do that shit. Like, yeah, that's genius. Like, there are people selling the actual packets for 500 bucks. Like, yeah, you need to tell me that's... lord. Like, no, come on. There, there's a buyer, man. I'm telling you, man. Uh, people, you gotta, like, I look at the world that we live in, man. Like, people will spend stupid amount of money on stupid shit. But if there's a market for it, which there was with this viral video that went out mm. and the story that it has behind it, that's where people are captivated by. People are captivated by story. And then you could tie it together in a show yeah. that has you know, a, a large amount of followers and kind of tie that in together. Yeah, it's it's a very powerful thing. I mean, regardless, I mean, if it's like a, a sauce, if the actual entity itself is a sauce packet, but like what that show means, um, you know, to to those people, uh, versus you know, and combining that with what the product is and the story behind it, and how it happened. And because this is like history being created. I mean, whether it's like, well, whether or not it's significant or not. I mean, the fact that we're both talking about it, the fact that there's viral videos about it, the fact that there's Uh articles about it, like this is history being made. So there's a story behind it. And that's, that's what will drive somebody to be able to A, sell it for a higher price and then B, find the customer that's willing to pay that price. Because people are gonna look at that and be like, "What is what is that like thing that you have in a glass case there?" Oh yeah, that's the Szechuan sauce that McDonald's promoted for Rick and Morty. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, that." I'm not on board on this thing. Come on. I know, dude. I, it's I, crazy. I know. I'm not on board with it either, but I could see why other people would think that. And that's the saddest shit,
0: part is people will be on it. You know, I know. people would do that. I could really I imagine know. That. Yeah, that's, no. There
1: there's going to be there's going to be somebody that's going to buy that Szechuan sauce packet yeah. and they're going to like cover that shit in a glass case and they're going to display it in the middle of their living room. <laughs> and it's gonna be a conversation piece when they're having wine with their drunk friends it's gonna be an heirloom to their kids when they die yeah exactly it's gonna be inherited (laughs) to their kids when they die like yeah it's from like Uh, this and the fucked up part is that it's made from McDonald's so the sauce will probably still be good for another 60 years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, man. Closing remarks. Oh, man. Well, um, great to be back here on the third episode of uh, Going Viral with myself, Chase Doherty. Uh, catch me on uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Snapchat as What's well. Twitter ha- What's your Twitter hon- handle? Uh, my Twitter handle. Jeez, I can't talk today. <laughs> No, man, but uh, my Twitter handle, um, geez, I even forgot about it now because I recently started to get back on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, JCD Comedy. So JCD and then comedy. Uh, that is my Twitter handle. My Instagram is uh, Chase uh, underscore 44, and uh, Facebook is uh, Jeffrey Chase Doherty. Um, and what other, uh, social media? Oh yeah. And Snapchat is a CD
0: comedian. Awesome. Yes. Well, Chase, thank you for coming by and once again enlightening us what is happening in the internet.
1: Thank you so much, Jorge.
0: me know what do you think of the szechuan sauce incident you can uh send me an email at jmspodcast at gmail.com all right I hope you guys enjoyed that take now we're, we are going straight to our main course of the day it is our guest joseph robinson uh, a musician from here in san jose california and uh again uh it was a great chat so here we go here is my chat with joseph robinson Respecting my rights, dude. respecting your rights. <laughs> when the government can't respect your rights, at least there's me, right? Yeah. The government yeah. can't. It's incompetent too. Okay. <laughs> well, I I don't know if I'm at that level yet, <laughs> but uh, Joseph, uh, dude, you were an early supporter of this podcast. Yes, I was. I, I think uh, I I got a lot to be thankful for you. Uh, you were there also at the beginning of when I started playing music as well. Yes. You know, you you expressed. Um, support there when yeah. it was most needed right because you most need support when you're like beginning to learn something because you're so crappy and shitty that you're ready to give up at any moment
3: yeah I think that's true I definitely think that's true and I think that everybody should know that like it's obvious you know I mean everybody should remember where they came from you know mm-hmm. and uh, you know y- you started when you were older sort of like I did so you already had adult ideas you know
0: What age did you start?
3: Uh, When my daughter was born, my brother gave me a semi-acoustic, not semi-acoustic, you know, like a half hollow body type of thing. I don't know what is it, you know. I I can't come up with that. But it's a nice electric guitar and you can play it inside in the apartment, doesn't bother anybody. So I didn't feel like I was like, I I didn't feel self-conscious with it, you know. Uh But that's when I started writing songs and I was on a country jag, you know at that time. and what's, so, a,
0: what's a country jazz? Oh, you went yeah, to country music? I was
3: listening to a lot of Grant Parsons and oh. Willie Nelson and, you know, Chris oh. Christopherson and, you know, Johnny Cash and all this stuff.
0: Right, right.
3: But uh, Johnny Cash less so. I love Johnny Cash, but, like, the songwriting of Willie Nelson is, like, you know, otherworldly. So then I wanted to, like, write songs for the American Songbook, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so that's how it all started. How?
0: What yeah. is your daughter?
3: Oh, she's nine now.
0: So, nine years ago you started. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, I, I would have been 35. 35? Yeah. See, that gives me a lot of hope, because uh, you're a great musician. Well, and that's... and and when I started, I thought it was too late, because I started because right. I was like 24. Right. Right? And I'm like, oh, man, all these people started when they're like in, in like their kids or something or in high school, and I'm like, ah, oh,
3: behind. I know. Well... <laughs> That's, if you think of it linearly, or maybe that's even too simple, but I think that, you know, people think about they get good at guitar. I think that's the real, you know, it's like from middle school when somebody sees you drawing something, you're trying to draw a dog and they're like, are you good? You know, and that's just dumb, you know, because what's good is that you want to draw the dog or you have something in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you just have to work at it until it comes to fruition. But this idea that the the skill is uh you know, it's like talent, like whether you're gonna be dismissed or not, I think is uh is silly and probably squelches a lot of people's creative lives, you know.
0: Well, how relevant do you think skill is when it comes to music?
3: Um <clears throat> I mean I think skill cuts a million different ways. So you have a skill in recognizing like uh avoiding cliche. <laughs> that would be a skill i wish pe- more people had you know <laughs> and uh so there's like a million skills to so try to get how to get something out how to um how to sort of resonate with the music you know what i mean is a skill so when you know if people are just thinking of what skills on the guitar have you learned and all that kind of stuff you know uh i think i think there you know there it's just too narrow a focus you know so if you think about it from a lot of different ways, you, for instance, I'll just use you as an uh, as an example because you are a perfect example. So you come and you have a guitar and you're like, I don't know where I got it's just a guitar. I don't even know what brand it is. Blah blah blah. And you're thinking about this and that and uh, and I remember at that night you were you were irritated or something like that. And there was a uh, there was a girl there that you knew. I didn't know her. And uh, you just started singing, but sort of out of anger and sort of as though you didn't give a shit whether or not I was gonna like it. You were just gonna lay it on me and you were pretty skeptical about whether I was gonna get it and you were frustrated but it was many different things but what happened was that the song and the whole thing is all a piece of how you were feeling and so it really resonated as simple as it was and uh to know that or to put yourself in that I don't know so skill yeah I think skill is not it's not an important consideration I think
0: so in this case you feel like the emotional element carried the song yeah okay
3: you know you don't want to maybe you want to have a sort of strength in reserve so then what's the strength that you have in reserve it's like what Jorge is thinking about you know (laughs) or what what's Jorge's aesthetic you know what I mean
0: yeah well what (coughs) helped early on with your support was uh, because you had this idea of songwriting already How you know uh, talking about cliches but there are certain cliches a lot of young songwriters do right as far as far as subjects they sing about how they describe what they sing about but I think uh, I think early on you had this knack of of really deciphering uh, people's lyrics and and really trying to get what they're trying to say right and I was like wow like that because for me like I came from a poetry background Right. So knowing that that's what you're looking, at, I was like, you know what? I should look at my strengths, uh, the little that I had at the time, and look at my back, my writing background, right, and, and get creative with that, uh, as opposed to worrying about how many chords I know how to play or or how how good of a different rhythm, which is all important. But at the end of the day, it's like I feel like I should really capitalize on my songwriting.
3: Yeah. I think all this skill stuff is a cul-de-sac, you know, because people master their instruments and then they're, are they off really doing good music? I mean, (laughs) usually not. (laughs) So it's just a dumb, it's a dumb pursuit. It'd be great if you want to acquire a skill that somehow is a thing you're after, but uh, acquiring skills broadly to be uh, you know, all over the guitar uh, is a, something that's lost on me. You know? Now,
0: did you always have this perception when you started, or was it something you developed over experience? You, you
3: know, I think, I think, you know, however my life has shaped me, you know, I, I've had a, i have had I think, I had a tough time in school when I was, you know, when I was in school. I did not do well, and...
0: Uh, Are we talking about high school or yeah, elementary? Yeah. Pro-
3: elementary, middle school, high school but it got rougher and rougher for me Why is <laughs> you know, that? just uh, because, you know, I knew I was smart, you know what I mean, but I, I didn't know, I just had a disconnect with the school I wasn't doing the work, I, I, I had like a mental block on school and uh, and so people really, at that time they thought that was your character, you know you had like a bad character, you know <laughs> and I think when you get t- take that kind of heat from people, you know, then you start to you just become skeptical you know you you see that they're not acting well you know and then you this sort of overarching narrative becomes something that you're suspect of it's not your it's not in your interest and uh and they you know it's often wrong you know that's how that's how i you know i guess as early as that and because of that i think that uh i i you know i'm you know i'm not a contrarian but I am somebody who like uh, has been hurt by stupid things in the world, you know. So
0: at a very young age. Yeah,
3: starting you know starting pretty young. Did you have to deal with bullies? Uh, no, because uh, you know I was fine with my friends and everything. I didn't I didn't have an issue with that. It was really uh, authoritative figures. Yeah, and, yeah. People making examples of me. And, you know what I oh, mean. Oh no.
0: You know what I mean. Like they used <laughs> you as an example of how not to be.
3: Yeah, like we can't tolerate like this kind of laziness, you know, kind of stuff. I'd be down in the office, you know. I'd be, you know, embarrassed by the teachers and stuff like that. So it was, you know, it. and then I didn't, I, then I wasn't really going anywhere. I was not going to college, you know, and I had no, I just didn't think, of, I didn't think I was going to be married. I didn't think any these these things, I thought that was all, you know, behind the glass. So you know? it seems
0: like you get a, a real uh, low self-esteem outlook or at least real, uh, um, cynical outlook towards the world at a very young age. I mean, how how come you didn't think college was a viable option? Because I
3: I was getting terrible grades, you know, and I had no study habits at all. You're like,
0: fuck it, why do I even try?
3: I I just don't see myself being there, you know. It was uh, eclipsed completely
0: as a concept, So what was the life goal at the time?
3: Well, that's when I got into music, you know, and I played the drums. So I played guitar for nine years, but I played the drums since I was young. My brother and I both play and he taught me, you know, pretty much everything I I knew. I didn't take any lessons or anything.
0: What kind of music were you getting into at this time? Uh rock and punk rock, you know. And uh was there a particular scene or era? Well,
3: yeah. I mean, we you know, like we were playing the church and you know, and st- some stuff like that, but you know, we were pretty young and so it was, you know, uh, it was not until college that we I really formed a band and at that time it was we were into Mazzy Star and mm-hmm. you know so we did this kind of uh I mean it was sort of like a we tried to be like uh Memphis Sound with uh with a Mazzy Star kind of singing you know
0: right and we were, yeah
3: and it was a great band we had a lot of fun with it I mean I don't know if it was a great band but it was <laughs> a lot of fun
0: <laughs> Let's take a back of it where were you born and raised
3: in Northampton Massachusetts
0: Wow, okay What's that region known for, do you think?
3: Uh, Well, it's called the Five College area Because they have Smith and uh, Amherst, uh, Hampshire College So it's a college town Yeah, total college town Smith College is in Smith College It's beautiful It's a beautiful old New England town
0: Were your parents educators?
3: Yeah, uh, my dad is an English professor And my mother is a writer (laughs) So she teaches writing And she, she did until last year She just retired
0: Okay, so you kind of grew up in a creative household.
3: Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, I think, uh, yeah, creative and also like my parents were, and and are what they were interested in. Do you know what I mean? They were, in How other so? words, in other words, they were interested in literature. They talked about it on their own, off the clock. You know what I mean? They would just uh, lived and breathed it in a way, and then the the jobs of it seemed. More confounding, or or, or you know, because of I remember my dad struggled to get tenure and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of like their interest in in literature and and uh, and in the world at large, they were really into it, you know. So I grew up with that.
0: Now, you were never turned on to literature, or was it? No,
3: I was, but you know this. Since both both my parents are like that, you know, and successful in it, and and you know, my dad is a you know, he's a, he's an excellent writer, and he's, you know, he's uh, very good at, his grammar is perfect, <laughs> you know, and my mother is a, is a, is an excellent writer, as well respected. I just sort of, well, again, going back, I didn't think I was going to college, so I didn't really know, except that uh, I liked music, so I just went to music, you know.
0: What kind of music were your parents putting on in the household?
3: Oh, uh, well, my dad uh, DJed in college, and uh, he, 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 Uh, played jazz. So we had all these jazz records. So like the modern jazz quartet and, uh, Gil Evans and Miles Davis and sketches of Spain, you know, and, uh, you know, I just, and, uh, and then later he was, we started, you know, we got really into Otis Redding and stuff like that. My, my mom liked country singers, like Patsy Cline and uh, Oh yeah I just, And Billie uh, Holiday Not that she's country But that was another
0: thing I feel dumb yeah. Admitting this But I just discovered Patsy Klein's recently Oh really By accident yeah.
3: Oh really Yeah I, w-
0: I was hanging out At uh, Needle at the uh, Oh god Needle at the groove Downtown San Jose huh. And, and that was a joke I was I'm gonna buy a cassette so when I have a friends over, we could like joke around how uh, you know archaic this technology was, or whatever. Yeah. So I just got a, a random cassette and I, I just popped it into my cassette player, which I never used. And sure enough, I was like, "Whoa, what is this? Holy <laughs> shit!" Like, not only is it country, but the vocals and and the the stuff she was singing about. I'm like, who is this person?
3: Yeah.
0: And my bro- my younger brother was there. He's like, "Dude, that's Patsy Cline. How do you not know?" I'm like, "Jesus, I don't." Something just fly by me. I'm I'm a late bloomer or something. Yeah, but that's the
3: thing. That's it doesn't matter. I mean, what matters is though when you're first introduced to Patsy Cline because she just her voice is just so clear and rings out so much. Uh-huh. You know, so that when you first have that exposure, you're like, who is that? You're like, it's just washing over you. But of course, she's she's so great. Like, and they did such a nice job recording her in the day. You know. That uh, you can tell that she'd be well known. I mean, she's not a bar. <laughs> she's well, not something you'd find in the bargain bin, you know.
0: Because of the experience, I actually are. I am more attuned to actually buy more cassettes now. Oh yeah, and uh, and particular jazz cassettes. I really got a thing for collecting jazz cassettes. Uh, you know, just recently, I just got into Oscar Peterson. Yeah, yeah, from Canada. That guy blew me away. Another first like,
2: that we had around. Yeah, you,
0: you know, Count Basie as well. Mm-hmm. And here I was, you know, kind of in some ways, I was, I was being a, a I wouldn't say snob. Just I was very into the blues, and I thought the blues was my world, and that's what I need to stay. Anything that that derived from the blues, such as jazz, which I interpreted as too high class or nothing but people in suits, right. uh, so I, I totally was like, "Fuck that!" You know. I mean, I respected it but i i i never really tried to get into it until i started collecting these jazz cassettes and i was like holy shit like these people are not just playing jazz they're playing a variety of blues these people are singing about certain things and certain moods and i was like how much of an idiot was i in my life to not to not get into those things until now
3: yeah i don't know i don't you know yeah i you were doing something else i'm sure
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah uh but the thing about it, like when you're saying you get, get into the blues so much, um, the blues are—it's are, possible to get that. It's like saying uh, I get really into Mexican food. Like some people eat Mexican food, you know, morning, noon, and night. You know, it wouldn't—you know what I mean? The blues is an entire universe, you know. Right. So I can understand. And that's why I was on a country jag. You know, I didn't want to listen to jazz or any. You know, not because I had any um, feelings about who was playing it, but uh, because it's like when I moved to San Diego Bob Dylan I just wanted to listen to Bob Dylan all the time he was because he was like a counterbalance to San Diego you know and uh, he was the, the whole feeling of Bob Dylan was something I missed from the east coast uh, you know even though he's not I mean he was in New York but obviously he's a midwesterner but
0: well, well t- talk about literature I mean Bob Dylan just got the Nobel Peace Prize for literature yeah was it Nobel Peace Prize Nobel Prize uh, yeah the Nobel, Nobel Prize for literature yeah, yeah j- j- how do you feel about that um, I, I think... Especially as a songwriter.
3: You know, the thing, if, you know, it's because I would be like, well, do do I do I think Bob Dylan is a, is literature? And, you know, I could go down all those things. But I think the thing that pushes the most is, what the hell is the Nobel Prize? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, to choose or not to choose. Right. Or, there's, or Bob Dylan or...
0: I don't... You know what I mean. To determine what is good literature and what is bad, you know? Yeah. I yeah.
3: Hear. I just... It doesn't... I mean, the people... The amount of, like, snakes that have gotten a Nobel Prize. You know hey, what I mean? Like, did, I i don't know. What I'm, w- I'm wondering
0: mind? if your parents felt betrayed by that decision.
3: I don't think they care. No, they didn't care? I don't think either would have cared. They must have been fans of Dylan. Oh, my dad was. My mom didn't like him. No, no why not? I don't know. My mom my, Now my mom says, well, they were so young. Now she's easier on them. But at the time, yeah. she used to hate Bob Dylan and... and uh, But my dad likes him. My dad used to have the book of his songs, all his lyrics. Uh I, you know, and, uh, but it was such a, I think it was such a disagreement in the house about Bob Dylan that Bob Dylan didn't get played much. So it wasn't until college that I got into him. But I don't think, you know, I think, you know, Bob Dylan is a a decent guy and he's written a lot of great songs. And, uh, uh, of course, and I, and, uh, if he gets to know, I mean, I'm sure he's confused. He didn't know to, whether to attend, right? Yeah. He, so he, he, he sent gets out. It, you know? What's her name? Patty. Uh, God. Smith. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. She, Patty Smith uh, uh, got it for him. Yeah. The award. And made a speech for him.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. It is weird, <laughs> but I get it because it's like it's you know, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I think my whole thing that I've been uh, you know obsessing over is that. Uh, it's just unplugging like all this stuff is unraveling you know like you have the you know you have media moguls who would turn out to be real super duper shits you know and uh the thing is is why do you, I mean not that that's a, should be a surprise but you know
0: well that's the thing it's yeah. like I mean you look at it at that and you're like you know what there's so many stereotypes we put in our culture and jokes in our culture that we make about moguls being you know shady people yeah and it's like now that's happening real live it's like well why did it take so long yeah especially for this guy and it's like yeah he might have all the power you know in that industry but why did it take so long to get to at this point point? and at the end of the day i think social media had a big help with that i think social media is really shaking things up and calling out certain individuals who for heinous acts,
3: yeah, and I well I think that uh I think that the, the their power is derived from the idea that people didn't have um they couldn't imagine another, they couldn't imagine something else happening, and I think that was the power of all of these you know of this sort of society of the spectacle, you know uh big Hollywood and media and all this kind of stuff, and things that people have been watching. Is that, you know, like with Fox News or, you know, I mean, you're going to, you know, that's the whole world, like the whole 250, 300 million people focused in on that, uh, on that world when they could be just focusing, you know, on the people around them, you know, like when I was a kid, this dawned on me when I was a kid, when I was, you know, starting to get girl crazy and then people would be like, oh, Winona Ryder and, and I never got that stuff. That's how old I am, <laughs> but uh but I never got that stuff because I was like it's you know, I don't really like movies <laughs> to be honest i mean i I, I could imagine like a movie, there are movies that I like, you know, um, but in the main, I don't like movies, and i I wouldn't watch any of the series people are talking about or any of that stuff and uh and and I think they're just like this is where it's at, and this like they they put the whole culture. In this, you know, behind the screen, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and I'm I'm thinking, and that's why I, you know, uh, intuitionally I was coming to this, but and I think that's why I was a, and I'm sure it's why I was a big supporter of your podcast because you're going to be asking local people you're going to be put spotlighting local people and they would care because they would know each other and that you know and then they could you know if, you know if uh if you're interviewing cadu or something like that mm-hmm. maybe you're going to have something more in depth than i would like just hanging out outside for Scotty, you know, just to hear what he said, so, I remember building my, uh, daughter's bunk bed while listening to, you know, your podcast, and stuff, you know, yeah,
0: thank you so much, man, thank you, no,
3: but it's the right thing to do, just, you know, but where I would split with you is, like, when you had national ambitions, not that I want to keep you, you know, teach their own, but there's just this, uh, I just don't, I'm, I'm sick of that, I'm like,
0: wait, national ambitions?
3: Yeah, I'm just sick of, uh, I just wish that people would make it interesting in their own front yard you know in their own places and oh i see like like
0: broadcasting it uh globally as opposed to keeping it local
3: well yeah exactly globally and trying to get a national you know what i mean trying to blow up on that stage everybody gets a faraway look in their eye thinking that's where they might go you know and what happens is that i it makes it so that the natural like the uh Natural fermentation of culture uh, doesn't take place, yeah:
0: mm-hmm. Well, I want uh, to go back we because we were initially talking about you growing up in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, and, and essentially you you got it, you weren't thinking of college, but you really got into music you, your mm-hmm. brother taught you drums. was he, yeah. he Is he currently a musician? Yeah, he is. He,
3: uh, he plays in a Grateful Dead cover band. No way, uh, is he yeah. the one that
0: Kurt Porter plays for?
3: No, no, my brother lives out in Iowa.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Oh. Yeah. So, but they play around, you know, they play around in the Midwest and, uh, I think they do quite well. And, uh, you know, I love the Grateful Dead, so it's sort of jealous. Yeah. But, um, and then he, and he plays in another band called the Mayflies and, uh, so, and then he, he plays, you know, he's, he's just a kind of a drummer around town. Is it <laughs> just you two? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the drummers, man, they're the most, um, polyamorous, uh. Musicians out there.
3: Yeah, it's funny because uh, I try to I try to play drums for people because it's I'm comfortable doing it and I like it, but uh, it hasn't panned out for me yet. As polyamorous as I might want to be, <laughs> yeah, like uh,
0: like uh, currently my drummer Will Will Lineberry. Yeah, yeah, he's drumming for like five other bands. Yeah, I ones. know. It's like Jesus, how do you guys do that?
3: Hey, you know, do you ever feel do you ever do you ever feel bad about that? About what? That you ever wish he would just focus on your thing?
0: I feel bad in a sense that, you know, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to give him too much. You know, yeah. like, like, I feel like he he's doing a lot as it is. So, it's like, I feel bad in a sense that um, I don't want to take it too much of his time. Because I know he has a lot of time to do other yeah. things. And that's why I was double check with him. I'm like, hey, man, are you sure you're available for this show? You can always drop by anytime you want. Because right now, I'm working on a pro. It's not a project, but pretty much the band... Right now, my musician mm-hmm. group is right. called Jorge and the Wandering Poets. Right. Not the Wandering Poets. Right. Because I really don't want my musicians to be committed to just me. Yeah. You know, I, If anything, that I really want to experiment with collaborating with several people with different backgrounds. So that way, if it's like, oh, we, you know, because I just didn't want to deal with, all, oh, you know, the band's not working out or, you know... We're not getting along. It's like, you know what, dude, go your own way. I'll get myself another drummer or I'll get myself another bassist and still be called the Wandering Poets. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and I feel a little bad about it, you know, because, again, he's busy. He's got so many bands to worry about. Do I get word as far as my music and how much he contributes to it? No. I think he's a great drummer. He's added a lot oh, yeah. of great elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, do you usually worry about those things? Well, I just, because
3: I, I, I went with uh, Will... And uh, and uh, and the other guy, whose name this anyway, you can edit it in later. <laughs> right, which but man? I was walking down. Uh, well, you were part of yeah.
0: we'll decide for a short bit.
3: Yeah, and then and then they were uh, they were going to play my songs too. They were, so we were going to you know try that because they were like, well, they didn't want my songs intermixed with their songs. So that then they were like, well, we'll play your songs. This uh, other guy. So then we went down to. Uh, Art Boutique to do this thing and they had all these other things lined up like they were going to do comedy and they were going to and then uh, I was just like so you're going to be on the stage how many times? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know I think it was a I think it was eye-opening for me because you know I just think you know you get up there and you try to present something that like people want to locate the locate the idea the aesthetic the idea the sound the concept in the people playing it, you know? And so this is kind of like uh loose for hire business and people, you know, uh, people sort of meeting up like teeth on gears or something like, you know, but moving on, you know, uh, that's maybe not, th- that's an ugly metaphor, but, uh, you know, I think that, that that's what I'm, th- I think gone is the feeling, you know, I don't think that. I don't think that people are naturally uh, interacting, you know. And I think that I was I, I I I'm forgetting all names, but I was listening to this thing on NPR about this uh, Native American tribe in Northern California, and they live right on a uh, river, and it's a salmon run, you know. And they rely on it, and they uh, fought for the you know the rights to fish in their in their way in their traditional way, and won in the Supreme Court. And now there's no salmon coming up the river, and so they're like they're in dis- they're despairing because they're cut off from the source of uh, of um, of their lives, you know, going back how, however long. And I think you know, in a way, all this kind of ideas of marketing yourself and getting out uh, and uh, networking and all that kind of stuff and becoming your own agent and your own this and that. Um, I think it's cut. Uh, people don't know it because it seems like it's practical, and and you can't be blamed for doing it. But at the same time, I think it's cutting us off from the salmon run.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, like we're spreading each other's uh, too thin, to to really uh, do something very really with, with some sta- with substance. Do you feel? Is that what you're telling me?
3: Yeah, and we don't pause over each other long enough.
0: You know. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. So like the commitment's not really there.
3: Yeah, there's not really... uh, People don't really have deep uh, commitments to each other or even maybe experience with one another,
0: (laughs) you know? By the way, that show that you mentioned, Arbateek, is that the one where... I heard that you walked off stage once in the middle of a song.
3: Yeah, that was... I did that. (laughs) What
0: happened? Well, you know, I walk off the stage mid-song
3: all the time. Oh, do you? Yeah. Because, um, and I think about what... I mean, it's obviously some of it is anxiety, but... I really hate the whole... I hate when my, I get distracted from... My whole thing is, like, I have to be playing the song and I have to be in the song. And I can be thrown off of that by either the sound is bad and then I don't like what I'm hearing, so then it's just joyless and I'm just doing it as work, you know? Or if I... Um, uh, if I feel like I don't, like, have an audience I'm interested in... <laughs> You know what I mean? So I'm just up there, being a you know being a butt or whatever. Yeah. I don't. But you know, what,
0: what kind of audience do you not do not like to to play in front of?
3: I think people who are all sitting out there going, "Is he good?" You know? Oh, like they're judging
0: you. Not
3: just judging, but they don't. They're not. Um, they're not interested in music as an art form. You know, they're more interested in it as a as a. Skill and something are people so good enough to sign? You always uh, you always see people like older people that come to Friscotti and they'll be like, "Yeah, man, you should, you could really take that somewhere," you know, and all that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, you these are people who want to be met halfway, you know, Uh, and so and I don't really I'm not I'm not interested in I don't have any ambitions. (laughs) I'm not interested in going anywhere. My only ambition or my only wish is that you know a place like for scottie's great you know uh, and i really realized that to my chagrin after i stopped uh hosting there and yeah, it, you it's hosted
0: it's... there for how long for maybe a year and a half something like that how was that experience like for you and what do you take from that
3: uh well i just you know it was it was funny because people are strange you know and people get very uh, finicky and stuff of when you're like setting them up they can get pretty ornery so that bothered me, but I shouldn't have let it. But um, but what I really got out of it was that you can cultivate it, you know, and make it something where people are excited to get up and play, where there are people in the r- room listening, you know. And uh, so I just thought of it as, you know, if you just give people the if you just pause over the people around you, you know, they have great potential. You know, the women are as beautiful. <laughs> the, the uh, you know, the people are as interesting, you know, and what's more interesting even still is that people are influenced by each other and they are inspired by each other and it creates an electricity in the room, you know, and I think with all this, oh, I'm in five bands and here's this one iteration And you go to the place and there's like seven people sitting there. You know what I mean? And you've played a show or you just keep it up, uh, you know, or play all the places with seven people watching, you know? It's, you know, and everybody with this kind of uh, market, marketing oneself idea of playing music, it kills it, you know? And so that was the thing. Uh, The open mic was, you know, in retrospect, one of the great experiences of my life.
0: How'd you get involved?
3: Uh, Andoni just... Uh, uh, Andoni, I said to Andoni, I've always wanted but to host pianist, an open mic. right? Yeah. Okay. I always wanted to host an open mic because I'd moved out from New York. And in New York, their open mic hosts are all like, you know, who are you? Like a million people come through here. And, you know, so they're all sarcastic and kind of uh, acidic and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to be t- different than that and see how... It goes of course, when you're nice, some people think you're a pushover, you know mm. but uh, but overall, I think you know encouraging people and you know uh, m- you know making people g- like a community like if you feel like you're in a community, I'm gonna see Jorge and he's starting out on the guitar at 35 and I'm gonna think that's you know that's good for Jorge, that's a good thing to pick up and in addition to other things, I wouldn't have, of course, thought it was too late or, you know, because I did the same thing. And I think, you know, y- y- I-, I rely on songwriting and being creative and, and all that kind of stuff, even even though I'm not very productive. I'm just like a dad now. But I go down there and play a lot just for myself. I write songs that I like for a while and, and then they sort of fade off and... uh I'm not really trying to get into anything, but I I would if I, I would if I, if, I would if it felt more communal, you know, if it felt more like people were excited to see each other and, you know, but they always, it's like when you go to a party and everybody's looking over your head or, you know what I mean? And then you look around and they're looking over everybody's head until, maybe until they find the billionaire, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I hate that kind of stuff, and I'm so tired of it. And by now, it should just be you know, with everything falling apart, it should just be obvious how bad all that is.
0: Well, I know I, I got caught up in that myself, man. I was a good point where I um, it was a good point where I just couldn't write no more songs, and I and I realized it was because I kept comparing myself to everyone at an open mic, Right. or I kept going like, hey, dude, like, you, I'm concentrating less on the music and more about you know, more about Who's better than what, and how, yeah. who's doing this? Who's doing that, and how come I can't sound like them? Because it seems what they're doing, everybody's loving. Why can't I sound like them? I suck this and that, and I just I couldn't write. And it wasn't until you know I just kind of reclused myself, you know, yes. back to my place, and I just was starting listening to records. And for me, um, I, I I've always liked The Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. But in that particular moment, it was so important to me to have heard him. Uh, so uh, I was listening to Berlin. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, man, I really dig Lou and I start his New York album. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's it." You know, it's it's like he gave he didn't give a shit about yeah. you know how um, what's what I'm looking for uh, mainstream. His stuff was yeah. He wrote songs that he really gave a shit about, and so and he sang them his way. Exactly And that just opened the floodgates for me I'm like well fuck that You know I don't need to be that indie folk singer I don't need to be you know whatever pop singer I just need to be uh, somebody who really gives a shit what I'm writing about Exactly And so Lou Reed at that moment really really brought me back into music in, in a positive way that's good. I, I
3: hate the I well I'm not sure I've listened much of Berlin, but I can't stand the New York song. I don't like Latter you don't day like Lou New- Reed. No. It's because Velvet Underground is like, you know, my my band. Yeah. Oh you like his, er- his early stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah but uh but yeah some some of the later Lou Reed I can't abide but what you're saying about it is uh is what I'm after it's just that art, art artistic autonomy and also um you know we're in an environment like we're covered in in soot now you know we're in this place with the hills to the east and the mm-hmm. you know and then the Santa Cruz mountains and then this you know this uh sprawl and all this stuff and uh, so that should color the music somehow. It's hard to say how but it should be a local thing so that people be like well what's going on in San Jose? is the San Jose sound or you know and it would just be people getting up like you say taking themselves seriously but you get up and like if I see somebody else perform and I've seen it many times when I was an open mic the host where you get like goose flesh at, uh, at just how in the moment they put you with their singing, and it's not, and it really has nothing to do with skill, so called. Uh, you know, it really doesn't. There are so many people who come in and show you all their moves, and uh, and then they forget like that rhythm is important, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So, you know, oh, you know, I think Indoni is somebody who came in and he, you know, he could play something that was. You know he has he's more aut- autonomous I think than most of the most of the real knackers that <laughs> come in. So, but uh, you know, but you could see anybody, including you, uh, get up there and, and and I did that with Time Will Decide. They played some song and it sounded just had a great sound, well, sort of a Velvet Underground sound, you know, and they just sounded really good together. And it was just in the moment. It puts you there. It makes you feel important, you know, mm-hmm. that you're there, that the song is so good, that it's like resonating with you, that it sounds good in the room, that you know that you're because of this weird electricity, that you're not the only per- person thinking that, you know, that's I get up there and play. That's what I really like is to feel like that electricity. I'm sorry, that electricity going. You can just feel it when the song is right and the sound is right. And uh and then you can get lost in it and be there and it's so important so much more important than you know um saying you know oh who's you know who's better Neil Young or you know <laughs> Bob Dylan you know I just don't care yeah. and I don't care they can both get Nobels. bells for all they care <laughs>
0: <laughs> now how did you approach songwriting when you started picking up the guitar at um thir- in your mid 30s or were you songwriting even before then uh well,
3: I, I think I was always interested in songwriting, and I, pr- I probably have always had ideas, but uh, you know, I got into, you know, getting charts. I, I basically started learning all these Willie Nelson songs that I loved, and Grandpas and songs, and and um, and then I, and then from there I was just like, these chords work with my voice, you know, I can sing in this register, and, you know, and then you, and then you're realizing you're writing a lot of the songs in C, <laughs> and of course, you know, but um, I think that is okay. If, if you write an interesting song, often, like, something you, you do something with the rhythm of it, you can, you know what I mean, break it up, and you don't really have to, you don't have to be throwing in crazy chords all the time. Though sometimes they're really nice. I mean, I, I saw Layla play once, and I think she was playing piano, and she was playing all these... She was covering a song, but it had so many like wonderful chords in it, and it did give me envy. But that's good because then you know that she does things well, and you're then you makes you. are referring to your daughter. No, Layla is a person yeah. that is a person that oh. goes, used to go to the open mic. Layla, I haven't I'm seen dating. her in a long time, I dude. Know, yeah,
0: it's been forever. Yeah, I, I didn't even know she played piano. I thought she was a guitarist.
3: I think she's kind of. Uh, I think she, uh, has a lot of stuff lying around at home, so I think she's learning it, but I'm sure she can speak to that. But, uh, yeah, she does things well, she has good taste, and I think, you know, I... Shit, man, I talked about Mazzy that.
0: Star earlier. Yeah, she yeah, kinda exactly. She kind of has that Mazzy Star sound.
3: Right, if she does. I don't know what she's doing now, but I'm sure it's good. But, uh, you know, all those, and, you know, all those people, uh, you know, when they come in and, uh... Play something that puts you in that spot and that makes you go home and think, want to take yourself, you know, you will beat yourself up, but in a constructive way rather than like your ego is like, I'll never be a this or I'll never be a that. Why can't I sound like that? Which, of course, uh, is you getting all over the creative process and mm-hmm. it can never happen. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so I hate when people, yeah, that's why I think it, being supportive is good. It's not to, you know, and then when you play something for me, then I have to say if I like it or don't, like in an honest, constructive way. Yeah. Know.
0: But. So what, what do you feel would best help improve the local community here? At least the music community.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think, you know, um, stewardship. Like if people... If people think of it that way, you know, I almost think that people just have to... Let I mean I don't know I I don't have a programmatic answer to that but I would think that you know given the way things are going you know here and uh, around the world um, that we would abandon these plans to you know go and uh, meet Harvey Weinstein or whatever and we would just play locally and uh, and bring our a game you know what I mean? And make a San Jose sound and be in each other's presence, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, if people thought of it that way, rather than this, you know, this idea that everybody has to uh, c- conform to the advice about getting yourself out there and yeah. making printing your
0: own CDs, or whatever. Are you behind this whole, uh, you know, San Jose branding of, of the arts and culture here?
3: Yeah, I really am. You know, um,
0: because I, I think... personally am conflicted a bit about it. Oh really? Yeah. How come? Because I, I wouldn't know how how to feel, to to you know be playing my music or doing what I do, and with it like yeah this is San Jose this is what San Jose is, it's more, more like mm, it's more what I am you know I like I like to know that my work defined me, mm-hmm. and not just define this place, and who who and what is why should my work define sorry like who, who am I who's my work to define the million that work here and that live here like yeah they all come from different backgrounds right and I'm sure if they're given the same opportunity that I had they probably produce something different so yeah. I don't know I just find it a little troubling I'm sorry this fucking headset is killing me It's good. there we go yeah. uh, does that make sense yeah It. it well it kind of does I mean
3: so you're saying that when when San Jose Arts how do they support you and what
0: way are they supporting you
3: like, if they say you're San Jose artist, you think they're sort of containing you in that way?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a little off-putting, considering that, you know, we're more than just San Jose, you know, musicians all around here. There's, like, people from Campbell, from Fremont. Yeah. Like, how how, how, do, how can we really put them under that umbrella, you know, uh, geography-wise? Well, I think that, you know, for instance, you know, the
3: downtown San Jose is interesting in the way that it's, it's not all, like, uh glossed over like Manhattan or something like that or even Brooklyn where it's like you know so well cared for it's not you know it's kind of gritty downtown Um, but that makes it seem like uh, affordable or you know it makes it seem not uh, like a place that uh, people can be you know and not feel self conscious or and so I sort of like that about it but it's broke the cityscape is broken up because of parking garages and parking lots and I think they're going to try to work on that. But if San Jose downtown was a place where artists were coming together and in a scene, you know, where they where they really were invested in San Jose, then to say that this that the city supports it or something like that or that it's part of city life or that somebody from Fremont is going to be considered a San Jose artist wouldn't be a bad thing. But there's nothing going unnecessarily to my knowledge like not I've I I mean there are I see that people are doing things you know but I, it doesn't I haven't but of course I'm not getting out that much so you know I'm talking maybe out of my out, but I, I never felt that something was really going on uh, except in those moments when I was just listening to somebody play something really interesting you know mm-hmm.
0: at the open <laughs> well how conscious should the artist be when it comes to building a scene like, how conscious should they be? Like, you were talking about stewardship about, like, in some ways, artists having some responsibility in the growth of the scene, right? Well, I don't think they should think
3: take it as an added responsibility. I think they should take it as a throwing off of the chains, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, people should stop exploiting themselves by marketing themselves, you know? And I think people should, you know, there are a number of uh, people who interest me, uh musically in San Jose, so those people ought to get together and play music, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, am I going to, tr- you know, I'm not going to try to make a living off music, you know, and uh, I think if you do, you have to be teaching lessons, and you have to be taking a lot of gigs that uh, I'm not interested in, you know, and uh, and when I say I'm not interested in it, that's my, that's what I'm saying, throwing off the chains, to just say I'm not, I'm not interested in that, I'm interested in uh, something different. You know, I'm interested in a different future,
0: you know. How did you uh, develop this almost uh carefree attitude towards uh music? It seems yeah. very fascinating. I teach uh special
3: education, you know. Mm. And so um with them, you think these are these are universes unto themselves. These are whole people, you know, and uh and the society like acts like it doesn't know what to do with them when they're just good people. you know what I mean and uh, I think you know being in special education has radicalized me in a way, not like a political radicalization, but a certainly a it it, it makes me feel that people can meet everybody i mean people can be joyful about things, like it's possible to really like music, you know, like I really love music, so if somebody shows an interest in music as nascent as it might be, you know, I think, always think that's a good thing, I I think about what it did for me, you know, that uh, I still, you know, go to it and it seems like the, it's it's my salmon run, you know, it's like, it feels, it's that thing that I'm subsisting on, you know, and so when I see other people do it, I think it's really good and then when I hear great music I'm just so thankful. And I say I really like that. I really like that people get overwhelmed by it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh but if I but that's how I feel about it, I'm not serious about it. And uh so I think people you know, like if you're an English teacher at a high school or something like you should be into literature, like you should be interested in you know, in grammar and syntax and you know and not in a way that, you know, if people don't do it, there's something wrong with it, but in a way that you're inviting people to it, that it actually is a nice thing. You know what I mean? And I think there's so much of it is just people being so uh, stingy with each other, you know, and uh, not 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 in terms of money, although that's certainly the case, but uh, just in terms of their attention and their concern and their... You know, appreciation. I
0: think people give each other scant notice. <laughs> you know, I hear you, man. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you lived in San Diego, that you lived in New York, and you're moving quite, a, quite around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it for college?
3: Yeah, I came out to and uh, matriculated into University of San Diego.
0: Uh, you were a nastic.
3: No, I was terrero.
0: Terrero. Okay.
3: Which is quite funny because. You know it has nothing to do with me like they were the terreros I, didn't, I never went to a game or you know yeah. what, I mean? what were you studying political science uh, did you want to be
0: involved in politics
3: uh no I just knew I was gonna have a hard time in college and so I was already interested in politics so I thought it would you know it'd be like uh it'd be like if you spoke Spanish and then you'd go or a Spanish major you might think you know you'd be at home in it you know I guess you know because otherwise you know I knew I
0: wasn't gonna make it what politics were going on at the time uh
3: that was that was a uh, Clinton era, early Clinton era and so you, well, you were yeah. talking like
0: the Gulf War
3: the Gulf War had already happened, but I was following I've followed uh, politics since J- Jesse Jackson because my uh, parents were really s- uh, s- supporters of Jesse Jackson in '84 And that was when, you know, then, you know, the way people talked about Jesse Jackson on the news and everything made us (laughs) all writhe with (laughs) anger, you know. And so that was when I got, I remember arguing with a friend who was like a two caucus person and, you know, and it was all, you know, and then they were so dismissive about Jesse Jackson and his chances, you know, that, uh, and that was all happening when I was getting terrible grades and called out by teachers, you know, so it's all of a, it's all feels the same. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but basically, you you would like a, a good future, like Jesse Jackson. I think certainly would have been better than Dukakis, and certainly was better than uh, Ronald Reagan. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, things could have been better, but, uh, but but people don't feel like they can do that, or they don't feel like they can make things better, and that
0: is sad. You know, with well, a political science degree, were you interested in uh, maybe doing law?
3: No, any interest in law was sort of foisted upon me. Like Joe, you're a really good arguer. You should really, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't. I don't think I was really ever interested in. Pe- I never pictured myself professionally. I never did, and I still have trouble picturing myself as a professional.
0: Anything. Hmm. Uh, so were you known to be very argumentative? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With everybody. Well, I don't. I wasn't like, you know,
3: ranging the country like looking for victims or anything. <laughs> But I am argumentative. I do like to argue that... You know, I like the... Because yeah. people are... At some, it's yeah. a
0: cultural thing. Yeah.
3: My parents argue. Both of them, you know, yeah. they like
0: to argue. <laughs> so. <laughs> now, uh, so you you finished school at San Diego. Mm-hmm. How was that experience, like, going from East Coast to West Coast?
3: Well, it was surreal, but my parents divorced, and my dad had moved out to California, so I, you know, I knew that... Uh, I knew what it was like but I'd just been introduced. it was totally different I mean I never pictured my it seemed like Hawaii or something you know yeah. I never pictured myself being in California and, you know so you know but then my dad taught there and he's like maybe you could matriculate in because you know I had terrible grades and he's like, maybe you could do that. And, uh, so he sent me the brochure and it was like, you know, it looks like club med or something. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that might be interesting, you know? And in my, the political science department was totally, um, this sort of globalist neoliberal thing. Every one of them, every teacher I had was like that. There were no like Marxists or anything like that. And, uh, and, uh, you know i think at the time i was very normal like i supported clinton you know and uh i was a normal democrat but then they kept saying all this stuff basically that precluded your ideas like you might have you might be idealistic you might want change in the world but they were like they're they're like the market dictates it and if you get in the way of the market then you'll create these uh unintended consequences these distortions that are actually more harmful you know mm. the market has its logic and you know we just try to support it and you know and I mean have light you know that everybody was arguing that that was everybody's thing and globalism there's no way to stop it and then you realize that you weren't going to be able to vote on any of this you know it was all out of your hands you're just supposed to believe it yeah right, right and uh, so you know again that those sorts of things uh, I was experienced, you know, as radicalizing, you know, you know, in the sense of me breaking off with the general idea,
0: you know. Why the move
3: to New York? Uh, because, uh, because I followed my wife out there. She went to, she got, went to NYU for her master's. And then I went out there and, uh, it was like sleeping in a front room. I had a front room thing in Brooklyn, like in, uh midwood which is like almost out to bensonhurst uh-huh. and have you
0: visited new york prior to that
3: no oh no. man how was that transition you go from it was what, really neat yeah. east
0: coast to west coast back to you know the thick of it in new york
3: yeah and then i took the cabin like right into manhattan and everything because she was down you know and in, in the village it was out of sight i mean it was great you know and um uh, and
0: you uh, play we playing music at this time I mean, drawing, no. At least.
3: no, I had, you know, I'd given up all my instruments and, you know, I, was, I just had like my clothes and a bottle of wine, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I took a big pause uh, from music and I think it was just because I was trying to like stand up as an adult and I knew it was going to be, I was like waiting tables and so to do teaching and doing all this kind of weird stuff and uh, I should have just kept playing music, but I guess I didn't know anybody, I was just there.
0: Oh man, kind of we're living that bohemian life almost.
3: Yeah, I guess. Yeah.
0: What did you take from that experience? Do you think?
3: Uh, Midwood is not an attractive (laughs) place in in Brooklyn. It's like a. It just seems like just windswept and cold and gray. Yeah. And all that stuff, but what do I take from it is. I mean it was uh, we were we were having, you know, uh, my wife and I we were having a romance, you know, it's like fully like a romantic time. Uh not that it isn't uh but at that it was just, you know, head over heels kind of thing and we were going to museums and was she an sneaking artist? Sneaking bagels. No, no, she but she was studying literature. Oh.
0: Yeah. She was sneaking bagels?
3: Yeah, from the calf. and we like, you know because a, a lot of times I didn't have money because I was just living in this front room and like uh So we, yeah, we did all these kind of things, but, you know, just roaming around New York City and acting stupid and had it you know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun.
0: And what brought you over here to the Bay Area?
3: My wife got a job at uh, Santa Clara University. She doesn't work there anymore, but, so we came across for that because she wanted to be near her mom. Is she a teacher? No, she's a fundraiser. Fundraiser. Mm
0: hmm
3: For O'Connor Hospital.
0: Kind of, it kind of feels like a full circle almost. You're, you're, you, were, you, were, you were born into literature. You married into literature.
3: Yeah, I mean, we, K- Katie and I were both interested in poetry. You know, so when we met at USD, we yeah. were writing poems for each other and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. What kind good. of poetry
0: were you? Were you? You know, what poetry gravitated you towards?
3: Um. Well, I that's an interesting question because I was reading uh, different poetry but the funny thing is that I don't think really any poet I'm trying to remember because I got into it for a while I was reading a lot I remember that Dennis Johnson made this uh, he had this book of poems that I there there were a couple of poems that really struck me in it um, but I, I didn't again I didn't have any scholarly discipline so I got into writing my own poems I got a sense of modernism and you know and things to do with line breaks and you know and uh so I, I i did get i did know that stuff but i was not i'm no scholar you know i, was, I you know i was not a, a I mean i was interested in poetry but i didn't feel i didn't i wasn't interested in enough to read
0: everything and, well you know they you say know. the best kind of poetry is in the streets not in the institutions
3: that's true but you know not every book is somebody that's writing from an institution you know right <laughs> but but i agree i mean i don't know some yeah I have like I'm not a biggest fan like uh of I mean I do like it's kind of academic poetry I do like abstract stuff and I don't I'm not a big fan of people who say I just tell it like it is from the heart kind of stuff <laughs> I think you know I if if you only knew what your heart was saying you know right you have some humility about that you wouldn't think oh I know myself and this is coming from me
0: a lot of poets speak out of their asses
3: yeah, they do. And yeah. the minute they say that, I feel like this is going to come out of your ass because I know that because when I, or I intuit that because if I sit to write a song, like I have to just be going mumble, mumble, mumble. And then things, something comes to me and I'm not, I have to be out of its way. You know, I don't really consciously write a lyric or, you know, but it's often very coherent or at least seems coherent in a dreamlike way Yeah, when it comes out that way. And that's what I like, that's what I got into with poetry, and that's what I like with songwriting. So when somebody says, this comes right from the heart, like, it just makes me cringe because I don't know where something comes from. It might come from a star. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. The other yeah.
0: day, today, earlier this morning, I was, for some reason I was thinking about my songs because I was listening to a, a Rolling Stones podcast. Yeah. They're talking about Tom Petty. I mean, how, how brilliant of a songwriter he was.
3: Mm-hmm. But they're saying that because he's dead. <laughs> I hate to say it But you know Nobody talked about I mean people say He's a pretty good songwriter
0: Everybody loves Stop Eddie Come on yeah. hey, he's, I, like, he's, a, he's like the default Rock and roller You know what Dude I'm I
3: just, I just When Don Henley dies Not that I'm lo- waiting for it Or anything But when that happens uh, When who dies Don Henley Don the People are gonna say
0: He's, a, he's an amazing songwriter But you know? I was thinking Of my own songwriting I was like You know there's some songs Where I was like I honestly don't believe I wrote those things They came from somewhere else Yeah Like uh, Maybe a stream of consciousness yeah. And it's like The only people I hear Talk about such a thing Will be artists Like painting Painters right. A lot of painters I have on this podcast Say that They feel That they get their images From another part they, they just can't explain it They say Maybe it's an alien I don't know But they just Feel like they're just An antenna Receiving signals Exactly And I'm like You know Some songs Took me I don't know Months to develop Because I'm trying hard To finish it Some songs come in a minute I'm like I don't know where this Even came from
3: Right
0: You know I think what One of the most complex songs I have Is San Jose City Man Yeah And that just came out of frustration that, that, that was just pure Frustration Emotional song That I wrote Like in less than five minutes And I'm like I don't know What I don't know how, Where it came from though Like some of these words I was like Dude that's nuts how, how does anybody like this shit This is too dark Too too dark Yeah Yeah You you
3: ever gotten those well, yeah, I mean, I've written songs as I was playing it. Like, I'm just goofing around and I'm recording it. I've written a couple of songs like that, uh, just where I'm just making up the lyrics as it goes. And the lyrics are, you know, are... I mean, I think they're some of my best lyrics. So, yeah, I don't uh, I don't even claim authorship. That's another thing. I do, my face with my songs, with my... I, I, the whole thing is like off-putting to me, you know, uh-huh. uh, because what's interesting is about like what you're saying is that you're a conduit from it, you know, f- of some signal, you know, that some place in your brain, some electrical activity, you know, that you are not uh, in control of. And I think that's a good thing to get away from yourself. And I think... Um, I think that's typical. If somebody says it's teaching you how to write or teaching you how to do something creative, they they want you to get your ego out of the way, and your notion of yourself out of the way. You know, but I think that's much better. And when when I and then when it comes out, and then you're like, do I condemn it for being dark? I'm like, I don't know, because. Uh, in other words am I being too dark you know who cares if I'm being too dark
0: Like, so I feel I'm not sure how I feel about your songs but there's some songs I have where, I'm, where I know it's a, it's a polarizing subject right where I know uh, I, I, I'm hesitant to sometimes even sing it to, I like the songs and I get good feedback from, right. from my colleagues about these songs but I'm like I don't think this is a song that a lot of people are going to be attuned to right but then a part of me is like you know what fuck it that's what it's about and I play them yeah. Uh. So in some sense, is is I I'm kind of always battling with myself. Is is this song worthy enough? Yeah. To the public, is or is it worthy enough to myself? Is it even part of me? Do you
3: have like trusted listeners? Listeners that you trust?
0: Uh. As far as music? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do
3: because you could play it to somebody and they'll be like uh, you know it could be right. somebody that just has no, really
0: well, I tell I tell the friends I trust like hey tell me what you like and what you don't like yeah you know give, give me the positive and the negatives yeah and because when I when I get that feeling of like oh yeah it's cool yeah yeah I get it's generic this, yeah this song's shit Must or be. no but somebody might be
3: critical of it like to say it's why are you so dark or hey you know or something you know uh, then you're like that's not a that's not who I should have played it for yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like they already they have a the whole like I try to smile every day and get up you know well, take your lick and keep on it <laughs>
0: but again like it goes back to what, I, what we were talking about earlier and about um, how much songwriting in some ways has become a generic thing yeah and that's, and uh, going back to Lou Reed and even more Nick Cave I'm not sure if you're familiar, familiar with Nick Cave yeah mm-hmm Where it's like, you know what? Why can I not talk about, you know, sex and songs? Why can I not talk about murder? Why can I not talk about uh, a a different, darker side of love or of of heartbreak and stuff like that? I
3: think everything you're saying is like is an indication that you should, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? Because uh, you're swimming upstream, you're creating a new future. You know, uh, you know where people are can are cognizant of these parts of their life because people will block out whole dimensions of their lives because they don't think that they're practical uh-huh. you know so when you're like why it's is it practical for me will i make get enough followers or you know what i mean
0: you just don't know and it goes back to branding like you, the, yeah. the stuff you hate is how people try to brand themselves to the majority of people right and it's like you know some people look at that way say hey does this song fit my brand yeah. you know and I, I catch myself in that scenario. Sure. Like I've done it
3: too. It's But it's but you know, if you have done that and I have done that, like, what's my brand? Yeah. It's absurd. It ends in absurdity. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. So. You're just
0: fucking with your head. With yeah. your own head. Yeah. Like, I wrote a, a song I thought was too indie folkish, mm-hmm. or I thought it was a little too uh, sweet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I was telling my friends, like, you know what? I, I should give this to this other musician because that's what they usually like to play yeah and my friend's like dude you're an idiot like no don't have him play that your song i mean unless you really want to but don't do it because you don't feel it's your brand yeah no i'm like oh, well, i guess you have a point yeah no i don't
3: i think yeah if you come up with it you know somehow coming through you i think it's good to play it it's fun to have somebody else play a song I, unless, unless they butcher it <laughs> which has
0: happened you know it happened to you
3: yeah, I won't get much more into it, but it's funny when somebody takes a song of yours and uh, and cuts his head off and puts I've, a, puts a flower to, there. I've right. yet to
0: experience that. Now you got to yeah. be thinking, yeah. It's not worth it's, you know. Well, how much how involved were you in in the way they were shaping their version of it? Not at all involved. You just provided the lyrics and the framework?
3: Yeah, I mean, they just I provided a recording of the song, you know. And I think they they did a good job of it, but like you say, Dark sexual ideas, or you know what I mean going to uncomfortable places like that um people want people don't want that you know they I don't know if that you know I don't know it's sublimation, you know I mean you're doing something in an art form, you're expressing yourself you get to you know you get to put up subjects that um that people are not going to stamp as psychologically healthy, <laughs> you know what I mean because the very act the of playing it as a song is psychologically healthy i mean. You know when they ha- you know when they have people uh, f- with PTSD doing this you know it's 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 helpful you know mm-hmm. to to put something into a cre- into a creative output you know so I think it gives that gives you a little more license to to especially you know I think my you know like we're going back to when you, when your song is writing itself you know and it's dark it's like well then it's kind of true or, you know what I mean it it doesn't it feels truer. And so you're like, do I want to be associated with this? Do people think I'm darkly sexual and all that kind of stuff? And, uh, you know, I, I am, and I don't, you know, I just recognize that that's an aspect of my being a human being. And, and I'm sure many more people share it than would admit, you know, but, uh, you know, but I, but I recognize also that, you know, it's, that it's really legitimately dark and, so I think that it's something to be discussed, you know, in art, but, uh, but I, I don't think being darkly sexual and being, uh, brooding or cynical or any of those things is like, I don't know, maybe I'm just, I'm I mean, now I'm starting to disagree with myself. So. <laughs> so,
0: well, Joseph, it's been an hour. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and, uh, it's great talking to you, man. Yeah, it's good talking to you. It's
3: Thank good you. seeing you. And, and, uh, and good seeing your space I like your space in here. oh thank you it reminds you. me
0: of my dad actually oh does it does <laughs> yeah. and uh we're good we're good yeah and uh I believe you're gonna leave us off with the song you, yeah you cool with that yeah sure
3: alright this is a song of mine called Idle Talk and it's an old song I wrote a long time ago on that guitar my brother gave me <laughs> <laughs>
2: You and I'll only change, change is due. I won't have built myself up to be broken down. I'll put my feet up and my ears to the ground. Picture me bathed in warm sunlight, head to me, book of wonder. Sing to me of that sad old journey Smell the Way the dice cast Whatever you say you know won't last
0: I want to take this time to thank um, David Fournier for donating on Patreon to the JMS Podcast and I want to thank uh, all you guys and gals and everyone who identifies in between for tuning in for this uh, episode hope you took a lot from it hope you took a lot to digest from it and I hope you can show me some love on Facebook, Instagram and on Twitter alright guys have a great Sunday see you guys next week I believe it's a, I believe it's a, ha- a Halloween Sunday so I think uh, we have a little surprise for you guys. So uh, till next time, have a good one. And Jorge is out.